And this show was sponsored by BetterHelp. Do you ever feel like there are issues that come up throughout the week and you just don't have time to work through them? Put them in your therapy box. Therapy gives you a consistent space to think so you don't have to worry about everything in the moment. Give it a try at betterhelp.com super. Hey, brother! Ben, The Little Mermaid makes no sense. Guys, next month, the latest in Disney's long line of live-action remakes will hit theaters. The Little Mermaid. And so far, just based on the trailers, I have to say it looks pretty epic. She got legs, you idiot. I mean, that is exactly how I remember Sebastian looking and what I thought he'd look like in the live action, right? Everyone spot on. No, actually I am looking forward to it. Earlier this year, my family got to go to Disney World and my son Luke was so excited to meet Ariel. We took pictures with her and when we got home, he was drawing pictures of her. It was, it was really quite adorable. So yes, I am personally very excited to bring the family to see The Little Mermaid because while these live action remakes are often hit or miss, I do normally walk away with at least one really big positive from them. In Aladdin, for example, they gave Jasmine a song and way more independence and competence. And honestly, they could have just called the movie Jasmine and I don't think anyone would have complained. Similarly, Beauty and the Beast gave the Beast a song and also explained away a bunch of the plot holes from the animated version, which were numerous. And I suspect The Little Mermaid will do a lot of the same, which is good because the original messaging in the movie is, uh, you know, a little sexist and the plot holes are gaping. Like, I'm seriously not sure if any character's motivations or their subsequent plans to follow through on those motivations make any sense at all. At times it can feel like the plot, much like Ariel's wardrobe right here, is literally held together with string and willpower. So today we break down why The Little Mermaid makes no sense. Okay, so right out of the gate, I have to say the movie does a fairly poor job of endearing us towards our main character, Ariel. It opens on a concert being held in her honor to introduce her to the entire kingdom. And it feels like a really big deal. We see all kinds of sea life gathering to attend. Her dad, King Triton, is like genuinely excited for her. Especially my little Ariel. But of course, as the concert proceeds, we find out that Ariel has shirked all of these responsibilities to instead go treasure hunting on a sunken ship. There it is. Triton is understandably quite upset. Ariel! And just right away, I feel like we've sort of stumbled out of the gate. I mean, we, we are supposed to like Ariel, right? I mean, it's not like we later discovered the concert was a way of manipulating her or controlling her or just a way for Triton to impress some other third party and she was just a pawn in his game. The concert is for, about, and starring her. And she lets everybody down. Like, it's just so rude. But hey, I guess you could say it is all worth it because she does find a... What is it? I don't know. Seriously? Seriously? Of all the objects Ariel can't recognize, a fork is the one she's having trouble discerning? That's really what you're going with. A three-pronged fork. Might I remind you, Ariel, that your father carries around 24-7 a literal trident as the symbol and source of all of his power? And you can't guess what a fork is. Like, I mean, if you want to tell me they don't use utensils underwater, that's fine. But she should at least be calling it like a mini trident or like a magic wand or something. Right? But okay, got it. I guess our main character is rude and also lacks just like basic intelligence. Cool. Okay, maybe I'm being a little bit harsh, but they could have just animated a spoon or something here, right? Also, not for nothing, she later has Scuttle identify this pipe as a snarf blad, but we see later that she already has a pipe in her grotto, so 
Well, she'll just remember that one. Anyway, though, moving on. Her dad is obviously upset that she missed the concert and then further upset when he finds out that she went up to the surface. And I imagine this scene in particular is gonna get a big makeover in the live action remake because in it, Triton claims that the humans are all barbarians and that they're killing fish and stuff, but he doesn't have much to back it up with, like a solid example or anything. So my shot in the dark theory for you is that the humans are going to have been responsible for the death of Ariel's missing mother. Thus making Ariel Ariel's journey to and desire to live amongst the humans much more of a betrayal and something you can really see Triton getting upset about. But of course, by the end of the movie, it will all be resolved and Ariel will prove that there are good people above the water as well, just as there are bad mer people underneath the water. Which brings us to our villain. Ursula. One of Disney's best villains of all time, but also kind of a confusing one. We learn right away that she has been banished for reasons. And also that she collects souls for uh, reasons. Like seriously, they offer no explanation for why she is doing this to people. Cause it doesn't seem like she's getting much in return other than just the joy of tricking people. And like, I know it's a Disney movie and bad guys are just bad, but like, what's the point? Is she like getting power from them or something? Is it the more souls she get, the more powerful she becomes? I'd believe that. Is it just a way of exacting tiny little revenges against all of Triton's citizens or something for banishing her? I would also believe that. Anyway, Ursula's plan is to trick Ariel into signing a contract that will grant her legs for three days at the cost of her voice. If during those three days, Ariel is able to procure true love's kiss, then she will be allowed to stay human. But if not, she becomes the property of Ursula. Of course, it's not actually Ariel's soul that she wants. She just wants to use it as a bargaining chip to trade for Triton's soul and control of the Trident. And while I guess it sounds good on paper, this contract creates as many plot holes as it does have loopholes. First of all, the apparent trap that is going to deny Ariel from fulfilling the terms of the contract is taking away her voice. Thus, she would not be able to communicate with Eric at all to win his affections. Which actually I think is an even more cunning move than even Ursula realizes because at that moment, Eric is already searching for the girl who possesses Ariel's voice to thank her for being his savior when he was drowning the night before. But now she can't talk, so she'll have to win him over completely non-verbally, which sounds like quite the conundrum, except there is such an obvious way out of this writing. And I know what you're thinking, well, sure, but do we even know that Ariel can write? Do they share the same written language as the humans above? I agree, it would totally be a huge and massive coincidence if they did, but in fact, they do. When Ariel signs the contract, we see that not only do they speak the same language, but they use the exact same symbols for their alphabet and that Ariel has wonderful penmanship. Pen mermaidmanship? Pen mermaidship? There's something there. But you can see it right here when Ariel signs a paper document underwater trading her voice for a pair of legs. A real sentence I just said. Also not for nothing here, but the way Ursula tricks Ariel into turning into a human way beneath the water here means that upon arriving at the surface, she would have like a terrible case of the reverse bends. Which in case you're unaware, human divers actually need to stop at specific deaths upon their ascent to the surface to allow the nitrogen in their body tissues to equalize. And the same is actually true in like an upside down fashion for underwater specimens that are brought to the surface too quickly. But I suppose I can give them a pass on that one since this is also a movie about like, you know, magic and mermaids and stuff. Either way, the point is Ariel at the very least 
can write her own name. And later in the movie, there is an entire song dedicated to Eric trying to guess that very thing. But we'll come back to that because I have more to say about Ursula and her very dumb plan, because it has to be said she's being quite a sport, letting Ariel even go to the surface and try to fulfill the terms. Lest we forget, she's openly evil, and what's at stake is control of the entire ocean. So first of all, why even give her three full days? Why not make it a shorter timeline, like one day or like later tonight or something? Why even let her leave the cave after the fact? Just have her sign the contract and then imprison her. So good luck, three days later, you're still here. Whoops, I win. To that end, why make any out at all? Ariel doesn't even read the document. Just like tell her what it says and then have her sign it and like, have lied, should just sign her soul away immediately. I mean, I suppose there's always the possibility Ariel could have read it, in which case the jig would be up, so I guess it's okay. And now we need to give a huge shout out to today's sponsor, BetterHelp. Let me ask you guys something. Can you think of a time when you learned something about yourself? Well, I certainly can, and it happened in therapy, somewhere I find I can often reflect and uncover new truths about myself. Because getting to know yourself is a lifelong process, and we're complicated people, and it's not so easy trying to understand your own brain all the time. Or as I like to call it, your skull meat. Wait, nope, don't call it that, that's gross. Blech. See, I just learned something about myself. I don't like the phrase skull meat. But this is why I'm always happy to recommend therapy and BetterHelp, because they can hook you up with a licensed therapist who can bring you along on your journey of self-discovery. At the beginning of this video, I mentioned the phrase therapy box, and I like that phrase. It's somewhere you can just like put all of the problems you don't want to think about right now, but then you can bring them into therapy and unpack them. I also like to call it the notes app on my phone. You do not want to open my notes app. But I do really like that term, and I've never really been able to verbalize it myself, but it is a handy trick. Organizing those things in my brain helps me come into therapy with a lot to talk about, and then I'm better able to reflect and understand myself and react better in the moment afterwards. Honestly, no matter what your mental state is or what your day-to-day -day life is like, good, bad, I just recommend therapy for everyone. If you'd like to get started today, head over to betterhelp.com super. One more time, start discovering your potential today at betterhelp.com super, and when you go there, you can get 10% off your first month. Last time, that's betterhelp.com super. Link is in the description down below. Either way, despite not ever writing anything down and only being able to communicate with nods and shakes of the head, Eric does still start to fall in love with Ariel. Which, if you ask me, feels a bit contrived. I mean, one day he is literally convinced he is in love with someone's voice, and then the next day is falling in love with someone who can't talk. Okay. Miraculously though, he does manage to learn her name, but the method is so frustrating. Basically, he just makes several bad guesses before Sebastian just whispers it in his ear. Her name is Ariel. Which is great, but it does bring up a whole new problem, which is that if Eric can understand the sea life well enough to learn Ariel's name, why can't they just explain the entire problem to him? Oh, you were the girl from the beach. Oh my gosh, I fell in love with you like yesterday. You need me to kiss you? Great, of course. Problem solved. Also, now I have consent. That's amazing. Actually, though, if he kissed her, the problem would only be like halfway solved because the terms of their contract were just that if she got the kiss, she'd get to keep her legs and not be owned by Ursula. Not that she would get her voice back. So I guess if they did kiss in that moment, Ariel would win the terms of the contract, but she would not be able to talk for the rest of her life still, so. 
not great. Despite the minor setback on the boat though, it seems like Ariel is going to manage to pull off the kiss anyway, until Ursula steps in and tries to take matters into her own hands. By transforming into another woman, Vanessa, who now possesses Ariel's voice, the very voice Eric has been searching for. Oh, butts, what a ploy. And actually I would super love this plot device. Like Eric is already searching and in love with this one voice. So Ursula steals that voice from Ariel and then uses it against her. She makes Eric think it was her, Ursula, who saved him on the beach. It is brilliant. Or it would be, except that's not actually what happens. At best, it's like, 20% of what happens or something, but that's at best. Instead, when Ursula emerges on the beach as Vanessa and sings her song, it just places a spell on Eric, which then makes him fall in love with her. Which like, what, 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 what was the point of stealing her voice? If you could just cast a spell and make him love you anyway, why, why did you need Ariel's voice? I don't get, it just, it just, it could have made so much sense. Also, I feel like she takes it way too far. Why is she suddenly marrying Eric the very next day? Like, all she has to do is run out the clock and then it's game over. She doesn't also need to marry him for like no reason. Like you don't, you don't need to marry someone to stop them from kissing someone else for a day. Especially when they're already under your spell and in love with you. I, whatever. But anyway, that's the plan to get married later that day on a boat which they do. And you'd think that wouldn't be much of a problem for Ariel to go try and stop. Like even without her tail, having lived in the water her entire life, surely she is a natural swim. Oh, no, never mind. She can barely keep her head above water now. That, okay. I mean, earlier she kicked her entire way to the surface, but now I guess she just can't swim at all. That's, I mean, hey, I suppose she did have the help of a fish and a crab to get her there. So either way, Ariel makes it to the boat. She gets her voice back. The wedding is stopped. Everything is resolved, except before they can kiss, the sun goes down and the contract takes a place immediately and turns her back into a mermaid. <gasps> Ursula immediately pounces, grabs Ariel, and then conveniently runs right into Triton, who is, of course, her actual target, where then even more shenanigans ensue. First, Ursula reveals the contract to Triton, which he immediately tries to destroy but according to Ursula, the contract's legal, binding, and completely unbreakable, even for you. Now, like three minutes later into the movie, what we're going to learn is that the obvious way out of this contract is to just kill Ursula, which apparently voids every contract she ever made. But uh, Triton doesn't even attempt this, which is really kind of surprising. This is clearly not the first time Ursula has slighted him because he banished her at some point. Now she's kidnapped his daughter. And earlier in the movie, he destroyed all of Ariel's possessions just just for going to the surface. So, I mean, it feels like violence is his like, you know, usual tool. Oh, well. Anyway, Ursula proposes a trade, Ariel for Triton, but I have to say, I'm not sure she's actually legally allowed to do this. <clears throat> if you will recall earlier in the movie when Ariel signed the contract, it dictated that should she fail to procure a true love's kiss after three days, she would lose her legs and become the property of Ursula for eternity. Which I'm sorry, Ursula, I believe means you are legally bound to keep Ariel for all eternity. You are not allowed to transfer ownership of this soul. Doing so would break the terms of the contract, which you just said. The contract's legal, binding, and completely unbreakable, even for you. Legalese and loopholes aside though, I have to also point out that if Ursula is already magically powerful enough to create things that the trident can't destroy, why does she even need the trident? Like she's already got stuff as powerful as it. I don't know, I suppose Ursula does make Triton sign a new contract 
back. Maybe that voids the old one, I guess. It's iffy at best. I don't think that would hold up in C court. Why he doesn't just blast her is beyond me though. Also real quick here, just want to point out, good for Eric for, uh, you know, stabbing Ursula, but this is not how currents work. You cannot just steer a ship against them up a whirlpool like this. Also, uh, that ship sunk, so I don't think that's functioning at all. Also, are we really sure you can stab something with the boat? Especially if that something is magically powered by the most powerful object in the sea. I guess you can. Science! Really, the whole lesson here, though, is that communication is key. If Triton and Ariel had just been able to have an open discourse about Ariel's hopes and desires to live amongst the humans and Triton's concerns about the dangers of living with humans, then they could have avoided the entire plot. They could have come to an understanding far sooner. Maybe Triton could have tried out other people with legs first, because it turns out the trident can just give people legs anyway. Really, what Ariel should have just done was try to steal the trident. Then she doesn't have to worry about all these legal documents and sea lawyers and sea court and there's never any parking by the courthouse. And Anyway, all I'm really trying to say is talk to your kids and better yet, listen to them. Guys, thanks so much for watching. As always, don't forget to like the video if you haven't already and subscribe so you don't miss any future Disney action from us. Now, you might not have ever realized this, but did you know that Ariel and Wally share a ton of characteristics? If you wanna see how they're basically the same character, you can check out this video right here. Or if you'd like to see how Frozen 2 doesn't make any sense, you can check out this video right here. But otherwise, until next time, Ben, I will see you in another life, brother.